Welcome back to this episode. This is the second part of a doubleheader. If you haven't heard the first, go back. Go back and listen to it. If you can't be bothered, that's all right. Just keep listening to this one and uh, hopefully you enjoy it. And don't forget, like and subscribe. I hate it when people say that. And, you know, we, we got a highlight that the, the game, what it actually gave you, you know, you traveled the world yeah. because of basketball. I have a poster up at work now that I tell the kids, you know, use it for what it is. It's a game and it can open up a lot of doors for you. And I've seen all these places in the world because somebody believed that I had a bit of talent in the game. You know, I couldn't afford to do the things that I'd done through basketball. I couldn't go to college. I college opened up a door for me to go to college to play. It opened up a door for me to come to Europe and it's opened up even through work now, basketball has been the one that's knocked on the door. Got, got approached about coaching, which had turned into job through coaching, which had turned into work with more kids in schools, which has turned into teaching, which has turned into now I'm assistant principal of the school. And if you had asked me that 15, 20 years ago, I'd have lost every penny I had. I no way am I doing that. But I mean, because of the basketball, it's allowed me to do a lot of different things from basketball. Absolutely. It's a vehicle. And, you know, we just got to also just highlight when we're talking about, you know, that side of the uh, of the Atlantic, we've got to talk about Sandusky, mm-hmm. where, you know, I guess probably the, what I would say is you brought stability. Um, yeah. And um, brought a seven it's, winning it's season a, streak. It's such a, uh, they've, they approach you, they've been a lot of talent, just need a bit of stability. Um, bit of discipline, really, um, in the program. It, it, like I said, it's such a small world. When I was growing up, one of the guys I looked up to, to in Ohio was a guy named Scott May. I don't know if you remember him or not. He was the, he was the general manager at Giants when I was there. Scott May is from Sandusky. He played at the University of Indiana. He was on the last undefeated team, played for Bobby Knight, won national championship, went on, had an NBA, play, NBA career, played in Europe. He was from Sandusky. So that was, it's just a small world, and I met him. I knew about him all growing up. And then through basketball, I got to meet him when I was at Manchester our last time. Mr. Cook was our owner. Scott May and Mike Woodson were the general manager, assistant general manager. And Mike's coaching at Indiana now. Um, Scott's living in Indiana. But um, Sandusky opened up a lot of doors. The superintendent there just approached me about coming down and trying to rebuild. The program went from four wins to 22 wins in the year. First year, we've got a couple of district champions. We won a section was four times, very successful. And it's just continued, which is nice because two of the guys were on my staff one is now the boys coach varsity coach there and the other one's the girls varsity coach there so that's nice to branch off a little bit um not for my tree just how it worked out and they're continuing what they're what he's can definitely continue what he had because originally i wanted to do 10 years when i started coaching there at seven and that's the whole just just too much coming or going on i just I had i had enough i had enough i just wanted to step away for a little while um, and the guy stepped in there and he just kept it going and, and hopefully we can keep the stability and keep the program going where it needs to be. A lot, a lot of a lot of work was put into it, a lot of time, but it's definitely worth it. And, you know, let, you, you've touched on that, so let's talk about that, which is, and I, I think a lot of people can appreciate what you're saying, whereas you get to a certain point, whether it's, 
you're in your 40s and you're playing or you're in a career and you've been doing it a long time you just get to a point where you just go i've won my course now yeah i'm not saying i'll never go back to it not run this course to say where this course to mean i'm done i wouldn't say i'm done but i'm satisfied with what's happened and what basketball's provided me and what i've attempted to give a little bit back to basketball um but i'm enjoying what i'm doing i'm enjoying some time getting to spend some more time with my family now um just had a granddaughter uh, a couple months ago get to spend more time with them my one daughter lives 10 minutes from here um with with delilah which is lovely so it allows me to do those things that i think a lot of people take for granted um and if i was still involved in, in coaching if i was still involved in, i just wouldn't have the time then it would be unfair for me to keep doing it and not giving it the time that it deserves that's why i stepped away fervently looking for his notes here oh, <laughs> hey this is colin irish i've got eight pages of notes in front of me so let, let's just go to that last the the last part of your career where you you went to france mm -hmm. uh Cholet basket and then mm -hmm. you then you went back to manchester uh mm -hmm. for the giants um at what point what did Mick have to say to you? Was it Mick to get you to go to the Sonic Stars? No, I was living right in East. I was living, I was living really 10 minutes from Fleming Park, not even 10 minutes from Fleming Park. And I was kind of getting to the end. There was a couple of things that happened at that time. I was I went, went to Sholay, great, great experience. Treat us fantastic. Opened the, again, it was just just didn't work out. Picked up a foot injury. A stress fracture in my foot. When I came back, Joe Welton was still coaching in Manchester. Joe Welton was my first coach when I went to Manchester United. He approached me about coming up there. He said he was probably going to do one, maybe two years um, to finish up the season with Manchester. Went there up and down. Very talented team, but up and down. Hard to do that kind of thing three months into the season. And at the end of that season, Jimmy Brandon was, I don't know if you remember Jimmy Brandon or not. Jimmy Brandon was named the coach of Manchester. Joe left. I think Joe went to Germany, if I'm not mistaken. Something happened with management. I don't know, but all I knew is that Joe left. And I heard that it was not on great terms. Joe was a great coach and a good guy. Just left. And then we went to Wembley. And then they just were good. They either were going to announce or just announced that Jimmy Brandon was going to be the coach. And Jimmy approached myself and Mark Robinson at the time, because Mark was on the team. And uh, Jimmy said, oh, man, you know, so like, hey, what's going on next season type of conversation? He goes, come and meet me at the hotel he was staying at, because we're all staying at the hotel right there at Wembley. He was staying somewhere else. And he said, come meet him at, let's just say 10 o'clock. So me and Mark drove from 30 minutes to London, went over to, he said, meet me in my room, get the room, knock on the door, no answer. Went downstairs, chilled for like 15, 20 minutes, made a phone call, no answer. Hey, is he staying here? Yeah, what's his room? Knock the door. No answer. That's number one. Yeah, that's me and my like, great, really? So that was the first thing. We, we had settled on the South Coast already. That was home. And then I was going through, do I want to play? I kind of spoke to Sheffield, kind of spoke to a couple other teams. Like, do I want to play? Do I really want to be on the road? And then Alan was involved with Solent. And he's like, man, why don't we just get together at Solent? Then Pangee Granger came down because he was working for the engineering firm. 
that he was working. He came down, Masai came down. I'm like, let's just go and have a good time. So he used it, worked out, just stayed in shape. And Mick was involved, obviously. Bob Pauly was involved. And um, we were doing the whole fun schools, fitness thing on the side. And that was that was pretty much me done at the top level. And then we went to Seoul, I believe we were Division Three. Then we won that, we won Division Two, And then we're like, we're gonna go, we're not gonna go through this rigmarole going to right. And I'm not doing that again. And then I wanted to play, I wanted to stop playing when I when I was 40, and I did. When I 40, then that was my last season. Everybody said, you gotta play somewhere, you gotta play somewhere. I said, no. In my mind, I said, I want to stop playing at 40, and I did. And that was my last couple of years in Soma. Loved it. It was it was a lot of fun. Again, a lot of good guys that were just around Joe Morant, you know, Diamonds were involved, you know, everybody was involved, and it was the buzz of Soma, because that was a lot of fun, too, that slowly built up where we were packing out Fleming Park. And again, the same thing was coming again. The momentum was building. If you want to go, I didn't want to go back to that level. I was good playing Division One, Division Two. Working out a couple of times a week. And if we had a big game, maybe every day, every week, that was good. So again, a lot of fun. They, they, you know, we we had we had some success there. And it was good to, to bring the atmosphere back into Solomon. Because that was again that, the very first game I played in England was at Fleming Park when I was playing for Warrington. We, they had the um the Draper Tool Classic or something like that. John Draper was involved. And that was the very first game I played in Solon. Then the very last game I played was at uh, at Solon, at Fleming Park. Oh, that's a nice way to end up. That is yeah. a nice way to end up, isn't it? You, you start and finish in the same place. And crazy. you got to say that the Portsmouth fans are looking at the sale of the stars going, well, it's not quite the Portsmouth team, but it's still... It's still kind of... Cause they kind came, of then we, yeah. So then at the Fleming Park games, we'd have some of the Portsmouth fans, we'd have some of the Worthing fans come to, come to the Fleming Park games. Yeah. So, yeah. And Alan Cunningham, um, for the Sound Stars, I mean, he was player coach, mm -hmm. is my understanding. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, we're talking at the end of his career as well. Um, he, he was player coach at Worthing too. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, um, I'm trying to just work out his age at this. He might, he, he was in his early 40s. Yeah, I was going to be pushing 70 now, 68. It's crazy to think. Yeah. And um, let's not forget, look, I've got a great stat for here. Alan Cunningham at 40 won the playoffs for the Bears and gets finals MVP at 40. Yeah. yeah. We've heard lots of stories where people were saying uh, at Solent, he was like, I, I can come on and I'll get, I'll give you the best 20 minutes I can, can give you. Yeah. Um, and he would. And he'd sometimes give us more than that if he felt like it. You know, yeah. He, one of the best players I've ever played with and or against. Oh wow! Oh, absolutely. So, who who are those? Some of those players that you you, you uh, enjoy enjoyed playing with. And can I ask, add another part of this mm -hmm. a question onto this, which is, mm -hmm. I know you said um, you you felt Portsmouth were one of the best teams that that first year that you you played with in the UK. No doubt. There's um um. I'm trying. I've so I've got so many notes on you, Colin. I don't know where it is, but I wrote a note that one of the Manchester teams that some uh, there's a huge argument that um, people are saying that one of those Manchester teams that you played for was arguably one of the greatest teams ever assembled in the BBL. Wow. Oh really? Yeah. Um, I can't yeah. find it. I've been searching for all my paper. I can't find right. it. Right. Was that the very first one with Will and Ed and Dave Lloyd and Kevin Penny and Spud and all those guys? That was a very good team too. 
Portsmouth team would have spanked us, though. Really? I'm telling you, man, that Portsmouth team was... Yes. I think that settles the argument. <laughs> that is the that argument settles, settles the argument. Yeah. What, was there, mind, no were there any players that you used to come up against in the league that you thought, oh, this guy? Like, yes, I just... man. You know, it used to drive me nuts. Kevin St. Do you remember Kevin St. Kitts? No. He played for Manchester. He played for Bracknell. Played for Thames Valley. You know, he he, he had an up and down career, but just drove me nuts. He, he was always out. He was the one that they always, he, he covered me and he just drove me for whatever reason. He's drawing me crazy. Um, Nigel Lloyd, I remember Nigel oh, Lloyd. Oh, Nigel Lloyd, yeah. yeah. Ralton Way, Lewis Young, Alton. I mean, so many, it's, it's hard, man, to name so many great players. Cal Patrick Wells, I still think, is one of the best men ever to come over there. Von Traeger. Steve Oh, uh, don't you remember a kid named Bubba Jennings? You talk about that game being four people deep at the Brown Batten Center. It might have been for that game, Bubba Jennings, he gave 60 to us. Ooh. Scored 60 on us, 59, 60 on us, Bubba Jennings, yeah. So, Ouch. I mean, he's talking about players playing against and playing and playing with, man. There's so many just that I've been fortunate enough to battle with and or against over the years that just, where do you stop? I can, I'm sure I'm leaving somebody off too and they're gonna be mad at me, but uh, no offense to anybody, but Martin Clark, the Lloyd brothers, all three of them. I mean, there's just so many players, man. It's it's hard to it's hard to picture out some of the favorites some of the ones that gave me had tony holly tony dorsey and the list just goes on and on and on mark robinson and there, um, there was um some players that you've mentioned and from you know, very very vague memories you obviously battled these players quite hard but in, oh, yeah. in that same respect like you say when you got off the court afterwards oh yeah it's actually all like it, I won't say yes. it makes you, makes you a better player, but when you have those battles and you're warring with yes. someone, it's actually better, isn't it? We had a rule. Got pretty close with Pete Scannerberry, right? Pete, another one, Scants, unreal. But we had a rule that no matter what happened, win, lose, or draw, we're going out after the game unless we had another game the next day. Oh wow, that's how it was, and that's what we did till the till we got till we had children. And then things change up a little bit, but that just gives you a perfect example of Peter. We, I mean, we would go at it, mm -hmm. at it, <laughs> and, then, and then we'd meet up afterwards, and then we'd do what we got. Where are we going? Unfortunately, you know. But my daughter taught me a lot of that because I was a horrible loser, obviously. If we all go through phases like that, and um, Chloe, my eldest daughter, was starting to walk and starting to talk, and we'd lost a big semifinal, quarterfinal game at the Mountbatten Center, actually. I can't remember what I can't remember the game now, but all I remember is going to the bar, the reception after the game, and she didn't care if we won, lost, or draw. Oh. She just came running up to me, gave me a hug, and that word there was just like, you know what? That's the game that I was telling you about. It's just a game, don't lose your mind. Because sometimes I'd lose my not would lose my mind, but I'd be very upset if we lost the game. So, but that that was the that was a change moment for me to realize, really, at the end, she don't care if we won or lost. She's just glad to be seeing me. And I, I, I still remember that, that moment where I was like, give what you can, we ain't losing, playing, do, do. you're not missing shots on purpose. You're not throwing the ball into the stands on purpose. You're not shooting air balls on purpose, <laughs> but it's just a game and take it for what it's worth. It's perspective, isn't it? Wow. Yep. Perspective there, you, you know, um, it's really interesting you said that because funny enough, I thought it last night. So Portsmouth played um, and it was 86-86, uh, goes into overtime. I think Portsmouth lose by four. I think it was four mm -hmm. 
And um, there was so much disappointment. But in my mind, I just thought, we've just watched arguably the greatest game in, in Ravelin. Uh, that's the new sports centre. It's called Ravelin. Probably in Ravelin. Okay. So so far. Yeah. So far, probably the best And game. it was like, when it's just perspective, isn't it? Yeah. Even mm. though we lost, we just watched probably the best game so far here. Yeah, I mm. mean, you were livid when it was going off and was that the right it call? It stinks and... time, doesn't it? It hurts. It hurts. It's like, oh, my God. Really, really hurts and stinks at the time. But then, yeah, something's got to put you in perspective. You know, a lot of people struggle. We lost a lot of loved ones along the journey. We lost guys that I played against and with. No, it's easy because I'm old enough to look back at it, but it puts so much stuff in perspective, man. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think that's a, a perspective is a, a, a key word there, isn't it? And um, yeah. um, just want to, again, just talking about perspective of NBA players that you've worked with, because you, you mentioned before that you did some work with the Cavs. Um, well, um, do you, I don't know if you remember the name Bob Donawald. Bob Donawald coached at uh, Leicester. I think he coached at Derby. I'm going back towards the end of my my playing days and came back here and I was doing some things with the Boys and Girls Club of America, just working with some youth and things. And I had a meeting with the, with the chief executive at this day and he's like, I'm really, really trying to do some things with the Cavs. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I'm trying to call down. I can't get a hold of anybody. I'm like, who's on their staff? Bob Donawald, right? So I'm like, man, dial the number right now. Ask for Bob Donawald. Tell him who it is. And I'm on speakerphone with the chief executive of the Boys and Girls Club. Can I speak to Bob Donwell, please? One second, who's this? I give him my name. He gets on the phone, he's like, excuse my language, but I'm not going to say it. Who the, <laughs> where the are you? Who the, what is going on? So from that, you know, and then Bob was obviously, he was the assistant coach for the Cavs at the time. And how the NBA works is that the, the head coaches just leave the, uh, the, coach, the, the players to gravitate whoever assistant coach they want to. So they had this young kid that he gravitated to him named LeBron. So got close with Bob. Um, he's like, man, you gotta come and start working out with them, which turned into a couple other players that came and worked out with him. And I mean, he's 18, 19 years old at the time. And he was unreal. I remember saying at that time, he used to come home, you know, not come home because he stayed for a little while. He was living in half hour. But man, come to the house, so I gotta work out. And he'd always come home come back to our home rather and then he'd say man i'm so sore I'm like how can you be that sore from working working them out and like he goes you'll find out a couple weeks later we go to the gym and at that time we had to beat basically beat him up i get the ball beat me up he was 18 years old man and every single drill he did at that time it was like the seventh game with two minutes to go and he was gonna win it and i'm like this kid could be and Bob kept saying, this kid's going to be really good, really good, really good. I'm like, come on, man. Really good, really, really, really good, really good. I'm like, come on, man. And then I went and got involved, worked him out. He turned some other NBA players came to town, got the opportunity to work out some guys that played in the NBA. It was, uh, it was a different experience, to say the least, working at those guys at that level. You know, I may have thought I was a decent player. or In the Cleveland era, I'm considered one of the better players to ever come out of Cleveland in my time. And... Uh, no comparison. I was at the Cleveland State. I was so at that time LeBron was in high school. He was playing his games at college campuses, and I'm sitting at the game with a couple of my buddies. And there's a guy right behind me, and he's just, he ain't that good. He ain't that, you know. The, this is just. I wish would have gave it to him. I'm listening to it. I'm sitting right in front of him. My buddies <laughs> looking at me, and he's just going. I said, turn around and listen, man. 
leave the kid alone. And by the way, I am Irish and he would have busted my you know what. So <laughs> leave him alone. He did not say another word the rest of the game. So that was one of them. Um, you know, a couple other guys, uh, Chris Paul came in with them, Melo came with them over the course of the years. It was uh that was a great experience. So we did that for a few years. Bob's now coaching, I believe, at Mississippi State. He went to Brazil, he went to China and coached. Um and he's doing well so that was that opened up that door got involved with coaching and again that's where to the hoop came back in then returned to the camps got involved with some um local high schools then to the hoop basketball camps were going to high schools over the summer um did that for a few years and then it like yeah it just took its course and now just went a different avenue got a couple doors opened up through coaching and whatnot and i wasn't going to brazil i wasn't gonna go to china this was home did enough, lost enough miles, uh, basketball wise. And, um, yeah. So it was, it was, it's an honor anytime you're involved with working on people like that. Well, we, I mean, are some of the greatest players of all time. <laughs> all, yeah. All yeah. Stars. yeah. I just worked with LeBron. That's, you know, that's <laughs> deep. It was cool. It was, it's cool. Though. It was, it's nice. But LeBron isn't Portsmouth basketball FC club, is he? No, he's not. No, sir. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> No. Yeah. So, like what was what, like LeBron like as, as a as a person? Like, I was it... I was involved with the workouts for maybe three years, so they lovely. It's hard to tell what the 18, 19 year old young man's gonna be who's had everything, you know what I mean? But very very humble, actually very cool, nice guy. In my involvement with him, and um, he. he didn't appre- the things he didn't appreciate, which I could expect, he would just rent. He would get a whole he would get a whole facility. Okay, we got the facility. I'm coming to work out for a couple of hours, do anything for kids. But he didn't like the, the 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 people coming and taking pictures and different things. But he'd do anything for kids back then. And um, look at his career, man. But I yeah. think he's he's a to me in my experience with him, a very cool guy. Yeah, very nice dude. Yeah, and uh, you know, just t- touching on that, and it, I think when we're younger um it is especially with technology nowadays where you got your phone in your pocket oh quick have a picture Mm. um but i think as you get older and you mature with that i mean i've seen famous people before and it's just like i'm gonna just leave them alone like yeah they don't they don't want me to hey can have a picture everywhere they go it's just like you know um, same way i never i never asked them to take a picture i never asked them to sign a thing i just don't he doesn't want to be bothered with that yeah but that, you know, was, that was around the time as well when I guess LeBron was leaner because at one point when he said when he went to Miami he got big, like he bulked. Yeah, yeah. he bulked. I mean, he was up. a young kid then. He was 18, 19 years old. Yeah, and he was. Yeah. People always forget sometimes how lean LeBron was when yes. he came into the league and stuff. It's yes. like, yeah, he was a lean guy, and um, and yep. then he just he got ripped. Yes, he hit the weights. He hit the weights and got. He was he was he matured into his body. But I guess in Miami he probably got. It's fair to say maybe too big at one point and then he at that point then when we went back to cleveland the second time he'd uh he, he lost a little leaned bit down. he leaned up yeah. just that little bit and got his athleticism back just uh yep. but yeah, that's yeah. gonna sustain his body obviously he looks after his body otherwise he wouldn't be doing what he's doing now you see him play now man it's like he's the best player in the court. he's 40 years old he's he's yeah. unbelievable yeah. it was you you were talking earlier about um the like people looking after their body and stuff like that and you gotta consider lebron he's as number one there surely. the greatest player to look after his body yeah yes i, 
Well, it seems like he says he spends millions looking after his body. Yeah. He has the chamber and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, he spends millions. Like, I don't understand how these other kids wouldn't say, what can we do? Oh, why don't you ask? What's he doing? He's got to be doing something to be doing what he's doing at this age. You would think the young kids now um, would ask, how yeah. can I sustain his intensity? What do you do? They probably couldn't even do what he does. Because those guys are on a different level, man. Those LeBron's, Kobe's, the the great Jordan. Oh, they're they're at a completely different level now. I mean, he's he's a unit, isn't he? Six nine. He's a big. Yes. He's a big guy. Big anyway. man. And to have put big. his body through that consistently, eighty odd games a season. I mean, that's yeah. Yes. It is. Um, going back to what you said said earlier, Colin, just about how kids picking up so many injuries and the the punishment that they put their bodies through at such mm-hmm. a young age, and what he would have gone through doing that, and he's still doing that. He's still doing it. Incredible. And you, one of the things that I, I've kept my eye on for LeBron for probably about, maybe about the last three seasons um, and just working out the maths is, is he going to hit 40,000 points? And it was like, if he keeps going, he's going to hit this. If Because normally you 40 see that, 40. that trajectory start going down as yeah. they get into their like eight. He's you know. still doing it. Yeah. See, the greatest, yeah, he's probably the greatest of you guys because you're on a now generation, isn't it? Aren't you? Well, mm. I'm, I'm we're, we're 80s. So, I, oh. I mean, I, I still like the bad boys. Yeah. Oh, you're a bad boy guy. But who's um, the greatest player? MJ. MJ, probably. MJ is the blueprint. For, I agree. for the for uh, you know I don't think you can have a goat because there's too many categories and there's too, too many, many what ifs. Yeah, yeah. I think Jordan is the is is the blueprint because he brought that uh, the fight from the and the and the physicality of the 80s basketball, mm-hmm. and then had the athleticism and brought that into it. Yeah, and then obviously you know the branding and and the timing and everything as well it just all it just all worked out perfect for him didn't it and and his attitude and the way he brought his players um you look at some of the players and think you had to play to a certain level or he just wouldn't trust you with the ball like yes which wasn't you know it's maybe arguably not ideal for teamwork but at the same time it made his players better yeah everyone around him you got to be rise up yeah i agree but the the one thing i i'm not a huge fan uh, um, of with the the whole goat debate is I you know I yeah I don't think people say oh MJ would have beaten LeBron it's just no, like it's two different no. complete eras it's, yeah. so it's like yeah. LeBron's the most complete basketball player imagine LeBron in the in the nineties I mean he would play he so that's what you can see so, so could Le, in my opinion could LeBron have played in the nineties absolutely. Yeah. Could Jordan have played? No, absolutely. Should Jordan might have 50 points now with the rules they are today. Yeah. If I'm he just... had that same if he had that same intensity and that same drive in today's game and playing now, because back then you could hand check. You could force a player left. You could force a player right by putting it your hand on their waist. They're not allowing that right now. If he had that same intensity, it would be scary to see what he would do now. Again, and you, you what's great is you put Will Chamberlain, would he play now? Yeah, which 50 points a game, man. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. So if he had an off night at thirty and forty, that means he's going to have seventy and eighty the next couple of nights, even not the average. So it's unfair to say who the greatest is. Yeah. And, and even if you put Kareem, if you put Kareem now, bring Kareem. him, bring him fast forward. What would Kareem be doing now? Well, yeah. Uh, he, would he be as effective? He. I mean, Alajuan uh, would definitely be as effective. I. I but how can those guys cover the three point shooters though? 
Yes, exactly. So it's a completely different game. But completely different game. I, People talk about Wilt's free throw percentage. Wilt was dunking his free throws when he first came to the NBA. <laughs> okay. Then he was forced to shoot them. That's why his percentage went way down. So you can't compare errors to me. They're all great. If we're if when we're talking errors, Colin, the one thing actually we haven't touched on that's one of Paul's favorite subjects is referees and the ruling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you had, have you had any experiences with uh, interesting experiences or interactions with referees? Should we say? Absolutely. <laughs> I think I think anybody who plays the game has interesting interactions with referees. Um, How do you I've think that's changed? No, Malone. I don't know if you know his name or not. He refed a lot of our games. We've been changing emails. We used, I used to give we used to give each other such a hard time. Um, absolutely, yeah. You always have you always have memories, good, bad, or indifferent, with referees. You think they don't like you, but again, at the end of the day, when you're older, you realize they make mistakes like everybody else, um, and you hate them at that time. <laughs> I can't believe he did that to us again. But uh, always, always, I, love, I like banter with the referees. I only got a couple technicals, surprisingly, but I did get a few, but not as many as I thought I would get, maybe. Um, didn't get any as a coach, so. I think you could get away with more. That's what I was going to say. Back How then. has it changed, do you think, the refereeing? Because, I mean, certainly in the NBA at the moment, a lot because of people they're so criticizing. scrutinized, man. We could get away with more. But right now, if the referee makes a mistake, they post it on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Back in the day when a referee made a mistake, you yelled at them, you cussed them out, they yelled at you, they cussed you back out. Okay, let's go on. Nowadays, a referee makes a crucial mistake down the stretch. They're on television here or they're on YouTube within an hour, or within half an hour of the game or half an hour of their mistake. Mm. And, and players aren't actually, it's not as common for players to be talking to the ref as well. If, you, if the ref yeah. plays a bad call and you say, come on ref bang that's a technical yeah they're yeah. getting yeah. that and you think oh there's definitely be a banter between the referees and the players it should be part in, of the passion shouldn't it i think that's part of it too but yeah. referees have referees have to learn to take it too sometimes the referee would say you like you say ask man what kind of call was that and they turn and say shut up you shouldn't talk to anybody like that don't tell me to shut up man and then it goes from there <laughs> yeah and and yeah. that's one of the things um like Excuse i me. was a ref for t just 10 10 years and um what like I try to do is allow players to have passion. So when mm -hmm. something happened, I went, oh, come on. I'm like, I'm not going to tee you up for that. Because to me, that's just passion where I have seen tees go out for a player yes. just, you know, and I I, I, I wasn't ever a fan yeah. um, uh, of can, that. You couldn't pay me enough to ref, man. You can play me enough to ref. You know what, Colin? I was I was doing, I, I did a couple of games in a row and, um, I remember this. There's one game, uh, and if Bogner, which is near Portsmouth, oh, yeah. the coach was just going on and on and on and on, and I was just like, "This isn't worth the money. Like, no. this isn't worth the time." And I remember thinking, "I could be home with my kids. I'm refing this game, and you're you're giving me crap for over it." And it was it wasn't even a national league game. It was a friendly, and I was like, "Oh man, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. Absolutely done." Yes. Yeah, we're we'll so just think, that. think of all those refs that Mick used to have to uh, shout at. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mick, shot, Mick would shout at them. They shot back at Mick and they'd laugh and have a beer afterwards in the pub. Do you know what he said? Yeah. To, he said to me once, he goes, he goes, good out. I've done so much in basketball. I, I want to die in a basketball court. That's my dream now. And I was like, Mick, I do not want to be the ref <laughs> that, when that happens. tees you up. <laughs> yeah. It was like, and I was like, Mick, don't say that, like, because no. that's, uh, that's not fair on the ref. 
or whoever I've it said is. Before, you said I don't think Nick will ever get the credit he deserves for basketball. Agreed. Yeah. I don't. I don't think he will. And again, it shows the how basketball's treated. Not in, just in England. You know that, that Nick, like just just throwing out two names, Jimmy Rogers, those guys, they deserve to be up there with everybody. The what they have given back to basketball. There's probably somebody in the north because I was more involved in the south that does doing the same thing there. That will never get the credit that they deserve. Nick being one of them. Like I said, Jimmy being a, those are two ones that ring clearly to me. That will never get what they deserve in a basketball what they have done for so many kids and now adults in basketball mm. yeah and that's just highlighted in well obviously in the way we're talking now like mm-hmm. without without mick without colin we're, we're not doing this podcast no not at all. simple as that not at all um and, and it, it was it was as, as you just hit it on the head then colin really it's not just about the game of basketball it's about the actual youth and the culture and everything and life, surrounding that life in general. Yes. yeah because you yep. know being part of a team and being part of something and actually thinking i am part of something and this this means something that is certainly this day and age when a lot of people are are lost in that and, and maybe separated from groups lost in togetherness into- you know the, the lost in disagreeing yep lost in disagreeing and have a conversation just because i don't agree with you don't mean i don't love you we're just lost in the whole you can't have a conversation unless it's that way but there's another way too so yeah pick up a ball go one-on-one if there's no blood yeah. there's no foul yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's go hey that's how Colin was brought up there's no blood no foul that's right um colin sorry i've just got this picture um that i've got here let me show you this bit this is when you've you've won the playoffs three years in a row this one here well that one again that, guy, that, I was saying earlier, a guy named Monster Ahmed from Leicester, actually. He was a Leicester fan. It was a lot of those games. He may have, I don't know if he took that picture or um, got it from somewhere, but like I said, he turned it into a clock for me that I still have it hanging, hanging up in my basement. That's a great picture. The only yeah. thing I was looking at, that trophy, that is made of glass. Uh-huh. Now, I know the, the current uh, BBL yeah. trophy. Do you know <laughs> what I'm nice. going to say? No, but I have a feeling. But go ahead. Um, it, it, <laughs> do I know what happened not, to the glass? Yeah. <laughs> like, do you know how many times that they've had to replace that that trophy because of the because it was glass? So, the, what I've heard, whether this is true or not, um, Trevor Gordon. Remember Trevor Gordon? He was playing for Birmingham at the time with Tony Dorsey, and they won it. And. The owner of the team, I want to say, was a guy named Harry Rubaleski. I think that was his name. And Trevor was going through negotiations or whatever, and they had an argument in his office, and Trevor threw it at him, and the fella crashed. True or not, I don't know. That's one of the rumors and one of the myths out there. Whether that's true or not, Trevor broke it. I don't know if he threw it it at him, or if he spiked it like a touchdown, or if he dropped it. I don't know. But uh, I would like to find that out what time would happen. Because... Well, it's not glass anymore. It's not glass no. anymore. No, 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 I know it was definitely broke. I know one fact it was definitely broken after Birmingham won it. Whether that's true <laughs> or how it broke, I don't know. That's one of the stories out there. I, that, I think they've had a few glass trophies over the years, and it's Why only a glass trophy. It's going to slip, and it, not only is it glass. <laughs> sometimes they have glass, and they have the ball balancing on top of this thing like this. Yeah, and you're like, yeah, yeah. They've yeah. gone to uh, like a more 
would you call it classical cup yeah it's, it's, it's more like a it's more like a classic sort of uh, uh cup and i don't uh, i don't have many regrets as far as basketball and all that goes but one of my regrets was not bringing that team back to try the for four because oh, okay Alan, i was alan's last year of coaching and when alan took the job originally he's like he i wanted to be the first player that he signed so alec was a player coach at worthing and then that was his last year coaching the three p year and then worthing approached me about coaching i said well if i'm coaching the first person i'm going to sign was alan so then alan came back and then we we decision was made to, to split up the team some of mine some of others as well and i wish we'd have bought because everybody else came back I'd be interested to see if we could have done four. That was one of my one of my regrets I have for not thinking big picture of that. But hey, life goes on and I hope everybody's well. Uh, but I think about that when I see that picture sometimes. Oh really? Oh, okay. <laughs> yep. Because then Cleve left, Herman left. Um, I'm not sure they ever played again in the in the BBL after that. I know Herman came back at a very good coaching career in um in Baltimore. Um, and I think he's still coaching and mentoring there, last I heard. He's doing well. And Cleve went back to the West Coast, I heard. But yeah, I don't think they ever came back and played after that. Wow, that's the way to end it. So, Colin, like, this is pretty much my last question I've got for you. Who is your personal favorite coach you've ever played for or played under? Played under. Joe Walton. I really enjoyed my time with Joe Walton when I came over. He was. He introduced me to so many things, not just down, just not about the game, but life. Because I mean, coming to England was a completely different experience for me. Joe helped me a lot transition to there. And I've, I've got to say Alan, but Alan was a player coach because he pushed me to another level. As, as hard as I may have thought I've been working, you know, that was, it wasn't good. It wasn't hard enough. And he took me to another level. And those two, I would have, I would have to say. And again, he didn't get enough credit for his coaching abilities for whatever reason, because probably because he was so successful and probably because he, we talked a lot of junk or whatever. We let them know that we're here and we're, <laughs> so I don't know, but I never thought that Alan got enough credit for his coaching abilities, whatever the reason. Um, but those two stick out to me, you know, as far as my favorite coaches. Amazing. Wow. Well, that leads me to my final question. Is there? And I have teed you up already, Colin. You know mm -hmm. what's coming. Top five players. Oh, you do all time first. All time one. Oh, okay, we can do the all time That's one. That's what you usually do first. Yeah, I do the all time one. You don't know about this one. You got one shot. It's it's the clutch shot, the game winner. Mm -hmm. The ball you know, ball goes to them. Who is it? Who's it going to be? Who is the? It one? can be anyone Any you've person. played with or anyone you've watched. Anyone. We're gonna run, we want a couple games like this. We're gonna run one, me come off the pick and roll, looking to create down the middle, and we're gonna kick it to Al to the corner to hit the jumper off the double pick. Really? That's it. And you're, you're gonna hit, you're putting the pass. I can, pass see, I can still see that happening because we we ran it so many times. We ran it so many times with different people being in different positions. We had that same play for years. Even when I was coaching at the high school level, I put it in. Every Even when I was coaching at AAU term, I put that play in. Um, yeah, and that's uh, yeah. pass that ball, kick it out, and then just run back on D because that's going in. Done. Yeah, <laughs> we won a lot of games running simple play. That simple one, one pop, 
we even play called Bud Light. We used to call it if we needed a three. Um, yeah, we'd run one of those. I, at every 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 level I've coached at, whether they're girls and boys, I put that play in. If you're going, if you're going NBA player as like most clutch for that one shot, who is it? Jordan. Jordan. It's it's pretty much the most synonymous name. Decision making, not necessarily a shot. Decision maker. Oh. You know, because if you look back at some of the old films of him, he, he down the stretch, man, I can still see him telling Steve Kerr, "Be ready, John Paxton, be ready in the timeout," and boom, they're hitting the shot. That's so funny. That is because it's like he's like Jordan's trying to be a bit more subtle about it, and you just got Steve Kerr go screaming, "I'll be ready, I'll be ready." <laughs> yeah, you've seen it. Yeah, you've seen it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Really, just make him not. If he wants to, if he, hey, if you want to shoot it, shoot it. Make a decision. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So you're five. five, five and pine, five and pine. You're five players. Five what? The, the five player. You got to pick a, your all-time five favorite players, and they can be again people you played favorite with. Players. Favorite players. And it can be anyone in the NBA. It could be anyone you played with. Five and then one on the bench for Pine. We do have a leaderboard that we keep with this as well. We do. That one's got to be my favorite. One of my favorites. I got to put him on there. Wow. Alan Cunningham. Absolutely. Um, I don't think you can open a book on British basketball and not see Alan Cunningham's name. Impossible. You're talking about success? Yeah. Trophies? How, how can you? I mean, everybody wants to talk about rings and trophies and wins yeah, yeah, that's what it's all about you can't open yeah. up a book and read about him and how he's one I don't, the crazy thing is man i was telling a story a couple weeks ago about you know we won a lot together we, i was fortunate enough to after our first year in manchester me and alan played let's spend a lot of, how many did you win i don't even know how many things we've won it's crazy to think but it's the truth do you want me to tell you <laughs> if you want to i'm going through my notes i'll finish with that <laughs> you finish with that so that's the number one. So Alan Cunningham, one. Al, uh, golly. You can pick anyone. R- R- you, you can... Ralton Way. Do you remember? I don't know if you remember Ralton Way. He was on the real. He just played for Murray. Von Traeger. I'm going off England right now. I'm not even. I'm going all England. Larry Dassey. Larry, Larry Dassey. Dassey. Incredible. Okay, so what do we need now? A little two guard. Oh, I need two more people. So I got Alan, Steve, Von Traeger. Yeah, you need two more. You need one on the five and one on the bench. Steve Montrager was just nuts, wasn't he? Yeah. Like I, I remember when he was at Kingston, and he was like, unreal. The 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 three point BBL king, wasn't he? Unbelievable, unbelievable. It was one he, way. I heard was it true or not? I don't know if this true. So he went back. He was he went to Oral Roberts. I heard this just recently actually, and his wife or him would have had a huge lottery win. A big lottery winner oh, something right. like that. whether it's true or not, i don't know you hear all these different things over the years you don't know if they're true or not and he kind of just stepped away a little bit into because i guess had a huge lottery hopefully it's true nothing but love there good for you um so we got i tell you another favorite that doesn't again doesn't get enough credit nigel lloyd nigel, nigel lloyd yeah yeah he was he was unbelievable uh that's that five yet that four that's or five five, five. That's five. Who's who, on the bench? Who, who's on the bench? Who's you, who you relegate into the bench? But they're still in your. They're still in your in your bar. Whilst Colin's thinking, I'll be oh. on the bench. Oh, I love I'll it. I'll be on the bench. I'm fine. <laughs> I love that. Got to put himself in. Well, Colin, we said we'd grace you with. You could do one for the BBL and yourselves, and one if, for the NBA if you wanted. Oh man. 
Who would that be? We're doing an NBA one. Jordan, LeBron, Kareem, Wilt, Chamberlain. Fifth one's the fifth one is so many great players, man. Okay, we'll give it to Pete Maravich. How's that? Oh, Pistol Pete. Yeah, I just, just thought I'd throw that one out there. I'm a big guy. I, I was wondering if you're going to put Magic in. I was going to, but, you know, I'm, I'm uh, Magic coming off the bench with me, like me. <laughs> well, I put Magic oh, I there. love that. Magic. I love that. I just stripped the other ones. I stripped Magic. I can't put them on there. That's, that's a strong team. <laughs> oh, man. You know what? I'm just, just going to go back to um, talking about Steve Montrager. I've actually been actively looking to get in touch with Steve Montrager to try and get him on the podcast. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, he was he was like the Portsmouth, um, I don't, maybe villain's not the right word, but he was the oh, one. Oh, yeah, that's the right word. Yeah, okay. Well, that's the right word. Yeah. He gave it to us many a times. Yeah. You talk about somebody who talk a lot of junk. Oh, really? Oh man, vicious! <laughs> and there's nothing you can do because he's giving it to you. <laughs> nothing. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he he had the um the vintage crew cut. Yes. And um, I've said this on 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 the on another podcast, but you know, my my brother and a few mates they said to me, Paul, if you get the crew cut, you're better hit three pointers like Steve Montrego. Don't do it. <laughs> no, I did do it at the time. Don't do it. Don't do it. But, um, Don't think it's- it Don't did, think it's in the hair, man. It, it, it wasn't. <laughs> it definitely wasn't in the hair. <laughs> I'm sure when I did it, I'm, I'm sure when we did it, next time we saw you, you were just like, what have you done? I remember yeah. my mum was Honoring like, Steve what? Montrager. You look like a little <laughs> thug. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, dear. Um, you said you're going to give Colin his stats. You're going to give him how many oh, wins Oh, I can do. Um, I just wanted to ask um, Colin one last thing. With huh? these teams... Because Colin has been a coach um, and a successful coach, who would his all-time favorite coach be? Not that you've played. Like, if you had to put into these teams, like your five and pine, who would be? Who would Kevin, be? A- that was a great coach, Kevin Cato, the late Kerry Kevin. Fantastic coach, man. Yeah. Good dude. Again, rest in peace. Um, and I'd have Mick. I'd have Mick as his assistant. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> Mickey B. Mickey B's in on the board. <laughs> well, look, Colin, thank you so much for... Oh, man, thank you guys so much. Been, been an honor. Thank you guys for giving, giving me even a thought. Thank you for putting us all together and hopefully we can do it again sometime. We'd love to. Oh, amazing. Like, you know, again, thank you for gracing coming on the podcast. I mean, yeah. I would go as far as to say from our perspective, you know, having Colin on the show is probably, you know, the pinnacle of this podcast, just yeah. for me personally, for us, yeah. so far. Um, no question. Not, no not question. that you would know this, but at the beginning of this year, I should have said this at the beginning, at the beginning of this year, Mark said to me, if you could get anyone on the show, like um, like reachable, you think might be reachable, yep. who would it be? And I had a top four. Um, we've had two of them on the show. Yeah. Um, and the two that left, one of them was Colin Irish. Um, no, thank you. So, shall I say who the, who the fourth one is? Yeah, yeah. But Michael Jordan doesn't listen to this, so you know, no, it's Alan Cunningham was the fourth one. So okay. we, we've only got Alan Cunningham to go, but uh, yeah. we, I've tried to reach out. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Okay. But yeah, so it's it's February and we've hit you know 
three of our goals, huge goals. So like, oh. yeah, personally, this is just um, an absolute huge, huge honor um, no. for you to grace us. So thank you very much. It is mutual, man. Thank you. So let me go through uh, Colin's stats before we finish it. Oh, so boy. just so you can reminisce. Did you want the music at the same time? Yeah. That's on you. I'm not doing I'm just here. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, there's a long list. The, the music's not that long. <laughs> hey, that's a long list. So we're talking about Colin Irish, four-time All-Star BBL. We are talking about BBL Trophy winner, BBL Cup winner twice, BBL Playoff winner four times, BBL League winner three times. Um, and, you know, highly, highly thought of the name Colin Irish is throughout the UK. Thank you very much again, my man. Anything we can do, anything we can do, or I can do this side, please don't hesitate to reach out. God bless. Thank you guys. Thank you all people that supported us and me throughout the years. Living in England, it's a beautiful thing. I'll never forget those memories. Children born out of my wife is English. Without basketball, I never would have met her. Um, and just God bless everyone. And, and good, better, and different. Hope you guys are all well. Look after each other. And can't thank you enough. And, I'm here if you need it for anything. Amazing. Thank you very much. Colin, Colin it's been an absolute pleasure. See you guys. See Thank you. We'll speak to you soon. I've been Mark. I've been Paul. Thank you. Hey, Mark and Paul, take it easy, my man. <laughs> you guys look after each other. Best luck with everything. Keep it going. Thanks, Thank Colin. you, Colin. All right.